Folks, it's Tuesday night, and you're in for a thriller. Buckle up, gang. It's the BTK killer. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on this is Sunday. About the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform, and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Oh, guns up, giddy up, Wolfpack. And to all others, welcome to Failure to Stop. It's the number one platform and podcast where we entertain and inform first responders and our friends. Both Kendra and I are first responders of sorts. I'm a 911 dispatcher. I've been active in the field for eight years. Kendra's a former police officer, uh, way down wherever the hell she lives. Uh, welcome to True Crime Tuesday. This is where we bring you all the mystery, murder, and mayhem designed to keep you up and uh, talking and thinking and not falling asleep while you're on your shift. Or if you're just a fan of true crime, we're here to do it a little bit differently. On this show, we talk about true crime, but we do it from a admittedly more police perspective. There's so many podcasts out there that will take a case of a missing person or an unsolved homicide and they'll blame the police because it's fun <laughs> and it's easy. Uh, definitely more so than thinking about it. Joining me as always is my co-host and ex-wife, Kendra Drama. Hello. Kendra, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's, uh, it's almost like we didn't just talk for like 20 minutes before this. No. So. <laughs> this is the first time I have seen you in one week's time. And so it's always good to catch up with you. How is school going for you? How's your how's your life? It's going well. I'm not allowed it's to call not... you on the phone because of the stupid protection <laughs> order. So it's uh but this is fine. You can communicate this way. Um it's good. I've been accused of go of being um, <clears throat> uh, going to Hogwarts, which I actually kind of like that. So it is like a Hogwarts of sorts, I suppose. Oh, your school I because enjoy. Uh, yes, because you're, you're going for uh, al- alternative wackadoo medicine. Isn't that what your degree will be in when you're finished? Correct. Isn't isn't aren't you taking like a class that's called poultices and it's just about like taking uh, mustard and like aspirin and like using a mortar and pestle to grind that up and then like you p- apply that topically in your body? Isn't that what you're? That's doing? exactly what I'm doing. And um, we get standard issue canes to whack people over the head with as well, and um, things to shake violently at people to scare them. Yeah, I'm not sure I get that reference. Um, but that's well, that's okay. what shamans do. Oh, I pronounce it shaman. Is that okay. a, is that inappropriate? <laughs> I don't think so. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Sorry. I'm just trying to learn more about you. You've changed a lot since uh, <laughs> since the dust settled since in the ink dried. Yes. Uh, we need to let that go for all time, probably. Um, although I have enjoyed it. Uh, folks, our show is brought to you <laughs> by Ghostbed. Ghostbed is uh, a firm sponsor of the show. And it has been since way, way back in the day. You can go to ghostbed.com and use the offer code Wolfpack. You can get 40% off the world's best mattress. Ghostbed's job is to make mattresses more comfortable and more widely available throughout this fine land. And they're going to do that with offer code Wolfpack. You can get 40% off just for being a fan of the podcast. Ghostbed supports uh, first responders, police officers, firefighters, dispatchers, and uh, us as podcasters. So if you like Failure to Stop, you should like Ghostbed. Go over there and use the offer code Wolfpack. You can take a look at their proprietary cooling technology, their adjustable frames, their mattresses, cooling sheets. They're the only mattress in the entire world that happens to be manufactured right here in the USA. 
USA. USA. USA. USA. Man, we, are, we are so bad at this. I'm giving us one more shot at this. I don't know how I can tee that up better so that you can kick the ball, but we, we consistently miss that. Uh, go over there to, to uh, ghostbed.com. Use the offer code Wolfpack. If you see a better deal on the website, go ahead and use the better deal. We're not going to begrudge you that, but when you check in on the comments section, make sure you mention the offer code Wolfpack or failure to stop or mention Eric Tanzi's name. I don't think they know who I am, but they might know who Eric Tanzi is. So go over there and uh, let them know. That way you can keep your favorite podcast going. Go over to Ghostbed. We're also brought to you by Factor Meals. You can go over to uh, Factor Meals and use the offer code Wolfpack50. You can get a delicious meal delivered right to your doorstep. You can decide how many meals get delivered to your house every week. You can choose the diet plan you want to be on, whether that's carb-friendly or uh you want to really load up on the protein you want to start stacking on muscle or whatever maybe you just want clean easy meals to eat you want to get yourself a chicken breast and a broccoli you can get that delivered right to your door folks in the era of bidenomics and you being a first responder you don't have time you don't have time to go to the grocery store and uh, be an enemy of the people as you walk around and people just uh basically deny you your civil rights as you walk around they stand in front of you looking at food that they buy every single week considering <laughs> it for hours just to spite you so that you can't fucking grab your thing of sausages and uh you don't you don't need that shit so uh, instead of wasting your time going down to the grocery store wasting all that precious fuel just have it brought right to your house it's like reverse trick-or-treating except the food you're getting is not empty calories and use Wolfpack50 as your offer code that will support the, the podcast. If you want to spice that up, folks, it's that time of year. Uh, Thanksgiving approaches. If you want to make a Thanksgiving dinner the way that mom and grandma made it, you're going to want to use McCormick Spices. It's time for <laughs> time. For and it's been tested since 18. <laughs> McCormick Spices, that's right. If you're out there shopping right now and getting ready for Thanksgiving, keep in mind McCormick. It's what your mom and your grandma trusted to make Thanksgiving just right. So go out there and use McCormick Spices. Thank you to McCormick for supporting this specific episode. <laughs> Kendra, we're going to talk BTK, the killer who yes. was uh, very active in the 70s. And uh, then he disappeared for a long time. Mm -hmm. He came back, and uh, I don't want to ruin the story, but uh, what do we need to know about BTK? He's obviously, uh, he's gone down in the annals of uh, serial killers in American history. But as I was learning more about him and trying to get to learn it on the subject, I, I think uh, I think we'll find that BTK is a, a bit of a pretender. I think he's the serial killer in an era in which serial, serial killers were famous, and he definitely had people he liked to emulate. But why don't you go ahead and kick us off with your granny notes? My granny knows. Yeah, there's a lot to this um, timeline because it is kind of spread out and then he drops off the map and then he comes back randomly. So uh, I am going to be reading granny notes. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, we love it here. Um, okay, so BTK or Dennis Rader, um, he kind of came on the map when he slaughtered an entire family <laughs> in oh. 1974. That was his big debut. So he kind of like came out the gate pretty hard. Uh, one of his things that he liked to do was just randomly stalk people that came to his intuitive whatever. He had this obsession with the number three. And he would just kind of like try to correlate his victims to this sometimes like it's almost like it's almost like he wanted to be a Batman villain with a theme, you know? 
yeah, it's a little strange. Um, it's almost how he like justifies why he picks who he picks because he doesn't know. Well, he knows a couple of his victims, but for the most part, they're just randomly selected. Mm-hmm. Um, the Otero family is the uh, debut murders that he that he commits. Um, he sees the mother, Julie, and her 11-year-old daughter driving by in a car. And he just notices them and says, I think I'm going to kill them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he stopped. Yeah. Yeah. He he would <laughs> so he, he would find he would find people. He would kind of he would almost go around just he would drive around and then he would just kind of uh be in his little fantasy world which mm-hmm. he was into some pretty seriously screwed up stuff which we'll talk about probably in a little bit paraphilia yes. stuff. Basically yes. he's a he's turned on by by strange things. Um Yep. In his case, he's he's turned on sexually uh, by the sight and by the act of uh, binding, which is probably uh, it's a little bit like bondage, but it takes it to uh, kind of an insane degree. Uh, we'll talk more about that in detail, but he'll he would drive around or just be open to this. He would be taking place, taking part in this fantasy life and he would he would mm-hmm. scope out victims as or he would see people as for the potential for victims. He saw the Otero yeah. family. Um, this uh, 30, 34 year old woman and her 11 year old daughter and thought that they might uh, they might be good candidates for that. So uh, he began stalking them, uh, kind of paying attention to their house, watching as people mm-hmm. would come and go, trying to get done their routine. So he would go from sort of a passive predatory phase where he's just looking for victims and uh, he would escalate to uh, sort of, uh, you know, stalking them actively and watching them. Yeah, and this number three correlation um, ties into the Otero family because they lived on 13th Street. And the numeric of their home began with a three. <clears throat> so after, which he makes note of that, which is why I mentioned it, because it's like, it's a recurring theme um, in this. But like you said, he stalks him for a while. He gets the routine down. Um, the family is uh, a mother and a father, two younger children, and then some teenagers. Um, he the day that he commits the murders, he believes that the dad <laughs> had left to drop off the older children at school. And when he thinks that mom and the 11 year old are home alone, he goes to the back door. He's armed. He's trying to make his entry and a nine year old son by the name of Joe opens the back door and kind of catches him off guard. So <clears throat> he kind of panics a little bit because um, he's not expecting this. He also sees a family dog that he's afraid of. But instead of running away, he decides he's just going to make his way in the house. Um, and in kind of like a panic state, he basically holds everybody at gunpoint. The mom's in the kitchen, the son and the daughter. Yeah. Um, and and he had, he had broken in and he was wearing mm-hmm. a, uh, a field jacket from the Air Force because he had, pr- he had had prior, prior service in the Air Force, rather unremarkable Air Force. I think he, he made sergeant, which is not a huge career in the Air Force, but I don't think he did mm-hmm. it very long. He did travel around no. the world. What was interesting was that Joseph Otero had been something like a master sergeant or he had been a high ranking enlisted officer. So when he sees... Uh, Dennis breaking in, they actually have a little uh, back and forth about, you know, what's life in the Air Force like. And um, Dennis yeah. has this weird story about how he's uh, he's AWOL from the Air Force and he's on the run and he just wants some money in a getaway car. 
and he's telling them all this to kind of like maybe calm them down, thinking that this situation isn't going to end with them being uh, horribly murdered. Uh, but that's not what would happen. Yeah. And just a side note, uh, Dennis joined the Air Force to avoid being drafted uh, because he had bad grades in school. And that was one of the things that qualified someone to be drafted to the front lines. And he didn't want to do that. So he hurry up and joined the Air Force so he could avoid that. Um <clears throat> well, the, the thing that's interesting is about the Air Force is it's the only branch where like the officers do the fighting. The enlisted guys all just work on the aircraft and, and things like that. So <laughs> they also they also get to fly home. They do their little mission and they're done. You know, the Marines, you know, they have to sleep in the mud or whatever. And he didn't he didn't want to wind up in that life. So he, right. I think he wound up uh, being a, a technician, somebody that worked on installing antennas under aircraft or mm -hmm. or radios or other installations. So and definitely not a right. frontline guy. Well, like you were saying, um, him and the father, Joe, he, they struck up this conversation and he's telling them this story um, to get them to basically comply. And the dad is doing his best to keep everybody calm and just tells them, you know, go along with what he's saying and he'll be out of here. Hopefully we'll be fine. Dennis gets everybody into the bedroom, the parents' bedroom, where he secures everybody, um, tying them up. He kills Joe and Julie in front of the kids. He takes the son to his room. Well, how, how did um, he kill him though? Oh, he would, he would strangle them to death. Yeah. That was one of his things is he liked to strangle people to death. He put bags over their heads, suffocate them, strangle them. I think one of his victims he stabbed to death, but that was very, um, that wasn't his MO. He was a stranger. No. The, he he wanted he wanted to strangle. He had spent mm -hmm. time as a kid doing all the things that we read about t typical serial killer stuff: strangling cats, uh, torturing animals. He wasn't ready to strangle a human being. I think when he was strangling both mom and dad, uh, I think at one point they had revived. Like he strangled them to unconsciousness, but he didn't get them to the point where they were they were dead. So they woke yeah. up. And he, uh, he, he had trouble strangling them initially. He also had trouble binding them. I think at first he had used some kind of medical tape and they were complaining about being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then he, I think he redid it with clothesline. I could be wrong on that. But the other thing that was he really did duct tape, duct tape, I'm pretty okay. sure it was duct tape. Yeah. Some kind of tape. The other thing that was interesting <laughs> is the reason why, uh, Joseph Otero was home was because he had injured his ribs. So like he's on, he's on some kind of light or restricted duty or he's just home healing. Yes. And so uh, Dennis is like trying to make him comfortable this whole time. He's bound up and he's like, you know, putting a pillow under his head on the floor and all this. So it's like uh, a lot of people don't really know what to make of that. If he's like teasing them with like sympathy or empathy or if this is more of the game of him enjoying being in control. You know, your comfort is really at my discretion. Or if he really did want to give them the impression that he was just, you know, going to make a getaway and leave them alive. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, he ended up attempting to strangle both adults they both woke up and then uh he realized that uh that was not going to be totally effective so he put plastic bags on them uh the nine-year-old boy i believe he took back to a bedroom put him on the bed mm -hmm. uh, put a plastic bag on him the little boy uh attempted to bite through the bag and uh, as you can imagine i mean that's what you would do and so he took the plastic bag off the boy um put a t-shirt on the, on the kid so he couldn't bite through the cotton or whatever the t-shirt was made of, put the plastic bag back over the top of it. And it went, and the boy uh, struggled somewhat. He fell off the bed and, uh, and, and died. There was a chair in the room, which some people used to suggest that Dennis, you know, really sat there and watched. Dennis denies that. 
yeah. and which you almost uh, skipping ahead you almost have to take dennis at his word that he didn't watch that because he's pretty he's almost proud of everything that he did he likes the fact mm -hmm. that he he enjoys the rarefied air as a serial killer that he's in he enjoys likening himself to ted bundy or the green river killer or whatever and so particularly when when he was found he was he was all about talking about everything that he had done as the btk killer until his lawyers told him to shut up but so if he yeah. says he didn't sit there and watch the kid unfortunately you kind of have to believe him because what happens next is so so disgusting and he was so frank about it that uh if he was going to lie about anything it would be about what happens next yeah a lot of these um a lot of the killers that have many many victims and some of them are kids um they tend not to be as truthful about the children because i think even for them that's like taboo and they're disgusted by it but he doesn't care he like you said he's like proud of his accomplishments if that's what you want to call them um, that's the way he treats them anyway. But <clears throat> I I read somewhere that he said that he put the chair there so he wouldn't fall out of the bed or something. But yeah, I, I, I agree that he's telling the truth, um, unfortunately. So um, little Joe unfortunately passes away and um, he takes Josephine, the 11-year-old, down to the basement where he um, hangs her essentially from a pipe. Um, well, he... He, yeah, he, he takes her... <laughs> I don't want to skip over the, the details, really, because uh, this is mm -hmm. the most horrific one. Please, go I, ahead. And the, reason, and the reason why I say that this is not, not to sensationalize it, like, uh, go ahead and hold off on clicking like during this part. Because uh, <laughs> we do have we do have analytics where we can see when people click like, so don't click like. <laughs> Take, takes takes 11-year-old uh, Josephine, picks her up. She's uh, She's been partially subdued either by mm -hmm. uh being partially strangled or whatever she's out of it she's not fighting takes her down to the basement and um he uh tells her that her family is in is, is in heaven and she you know he put he put mom and dad to sleep and that she you know she's gonna they're in heaven and she's gonna go join them which is a horrific thing for this guy who was active in his lutheran church to say um you know for him his faith face is his faith is all a facade, a sick mask. Uh, really makes me uh, more mad because, of course, uh, this guy being an active member of his church, which was actually instrumental in how he gets caught, uh, disgusting. It, it makes me very mad. Um, he takes her downstairs. Um, he uh, finds the sewer pipe, throws a noose over it. He came prepared. He brought a noose with him. He's very, uh, very sexually turned on by the act of hanging, uh, something that he had done to himself. Not obviously not around the, the neck, but uh, he, like I said, he enjoys binding and hanging. That's kind of his paraphilia. He uh, reaches up, uh, lifts up her sweater, pulls down her, or takes off her undergarment, uh, removes her pants and her panties, and puts the noose around her neck. Before the, he kills her, he asks her if uh, the family has a camera because he wants to take pictures. He wants to remember this. And I can only imagine like the, the abject terror of that poor 11-year-old girl. And then uh, he hoists her up so that she begins to strangle. And uh, he, he touches her and he touches himself until she is dead. And uh, he leaves behind uh, his evidence there. And he goes upstairs and <clears throat> drinks a glass of water. You know, he for him, that's almost part of the thrill. You know, he's leaving behind fingerprints or some kind of trace evidence. He, he wipes it down afterwards or whatever. 
and, and then he 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 leaves. He takes the Otero family car and uh, drives away. He goes to a Dylan's grocery store, parks it in the parking lot, throws the keys up on top of the roof. This is all to make it look like the Oteros aren't home, obviously, so that no one, you know, well, no one's interested in why the house is quiet or whatever. And uh, this uh, idiot then realizes that he left his knife behind. Yeah. So, so he uh, he jumps in his car, his personal vehicle, because he can't mm-hmm. can't get the keys back <laughs> to drive the Oteros car over there. Drives over to his personal car and goes and retrieves his knife. I guess it was in the yard or something. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned that he he stabs, but he only does that later once he loses control. Uh, right, st- stabbing for him, he doesn't get a sexual thrill from uh, his his stabbing and shooting victims. Those are all from occasions in which someone's about to get the better of him. He's really all about about the strangulation. Yes, uh, something that was That's... interesting. I only saw this in a few sources, and I almost wonder if this isn't true. If this is something after the fact, but he's he said that he used to have fantasies about uh, the four Oteros. Uh, being his slaves in the afterlife, that the dad would be the one that would kind of, you know, cook and clean and, you know, the mom would would pamper him somehow and brace yourself that the the children are the sex slaves or whatever. Uh, what I found interesting about that is that I've probably done most of my research on the Zodiac Killer. I've read the books uh, by Robert Graysmith. I've seen the film, which is an excellent adaptation of that book. I did a lot of research in college. It was kind of a project of mine that I had to like figure out. I had to solve the Zodiac killing in college was, was a project. <laughs> uh, but one of the things in, in the Zodiac's letters was, is that he, uh, he was gathering, his victims were gathering slaves for the afterlife. And I almost mm-hmm. wonder if, if BTK who, uh, who frequently would mention other killers, you know, uh, Ted Bundy. And uh, I wonder if he was inspired by that. This only after the fact he uh, much later in his career, once he began contact again, with authorities, he started sending uh, very basic and crappy ciphers, uh, which is also what the Zodiac did, obviously. Uh, but rounding out to the Otero incident, uh, like Kendra said, there were a couple older kids who had already gone to school. I think there were two or three of them. Mm-hmm. Either way, they come home and find their whole family in a in a most horrific state. I know that um, one of them, I think his name is uh, Charlie. Uh, pretty much destroyed his life, destroyed his Catholic faith. Um, you know, how do you, how do you live after that? You know, your whole family's gone. Uh, every, mm-hmm. everything you have about in the world, that's a sense of justice or right or wrong or fairness, or it's all, it's all destroyed. Yeah. He managed to put his life back together, which, you know, uh, is, is wonderful. Um, but that, that was the Oteros and, uh, that was, that was four and he wouldn't stop there, Kendra. Yes. And, um, I was going to talk about the eight pages, but we'll get there in a second. Um, Yeah. So that was horrific. Um, He got away with it. Obviously he, when he went back to get his knife um, or maybe it was before at some point he tried to basically muddle the crime scene by turning the heat up. Yeah. Because he had read it in a detective magazine. Yes. And he was definitely like, he was trying to, um, he was like a wannabe. I mean, obviously he actually murdered people, but like you were saying, he, he always referred to other serial killers. He wanted the notoriety. It was like really gross. He also, like, he also kind of wanted to be a cop or he really liked police mm-hmm. officers. And I know at one point, uh, <laughs> here's something for Abby, Abby, if you're listening to this or you're in the chats, 
Uh, he worked for ADT security mm -hmm. for about 14 years as a as an installation manager. So he had free reign and unst unstructured time to go all over the place, find people who are looking to beef up security in their homes. He would install these things. He would he would know the inside of their homes, how many people were there. I'm sure he's you know passively looking or actively actively searching for victims during all of these years. Eventually, he gets laid off by ADT, though, because he's not getting his work done. Well, I wonder why. It's because he's he's off in fantasy land. He's not getting shit done. Uh, and then uh, for at one point, he becomes he, he works for the U.S. Census in about 1990, I believe, uh, which also gives him plenty of access to drive around and, and look at houses and homes and mm -hmm. ask how many people live here and what ages <laughs> are they. I mean, it's almost the perfect job. Right. And then uh, yeah, finally. He and finally, he also worked as a code enforcement slash dog catcher, animal control guy. And there's stories about him abusing that power, uh, mm -hmm. acting like a police officer, getting a hard on if someone's grass was too high. And uh, there's a story about him confiscating a canine and having it euthanized, like in short order. Uh, this because he could, like he enjoyed the power. Mm -hmm. and he, enjo yes. he enjoyed uh, he enjoyed the, the police type stuff. And that would also be instrumental in him being caught. Yeah, he would pretend that he was like a, a secret agent. Uh, he said he liked to pretend that he was a private detective, which also comes into play here in a second. Um, but the next one, his next victim was only a few months after the Otero family. Uh, he was riding on that high, I think, of of not getting caught. He didn't want to be caught, but he wanted to be chased by the police, um, kind of like the Zodiac killer and and a couple of others, but. His second victim, well, his second victim, his fifth victim, um, he was a woman named Catherine Bright. She was a college student. Um, she lived near the campus, but off campus in an apartment. He stalked her. He saw her uh, getting her mail and just decided that's what that was going to be his next victim. So he started doing what he would do in many other cases where he would wait till they were gone. He would break in and he would wait. For them to come home so he's in there inside of her home waiting for her to get back she comes back but she's back with her brother 19 year old kevin bright and this kind of again takes him by surprise he's a little bit he's very sloppy he's really dumb to be honest with you he takes out his gun prepared to attack now that there's two people and he in the heat of the moment he uh, accidentally discharges a shot into her bathroom door like a dumbass. So obviously they're like, uh, someone's in here. The fight ensues and he, he eventually gets them um, into separate rooms. He ties Kevin to a bed. He secures him up and he ties Catherine to a chair in another room. He decides he's going to kill Kevin first because he's like the threat. Mm -hmm. um, but Kevin breaks out of his restraints and fucking Kevin is just, he's awesome. He fights him um, tooth and nail. Dennis kind of gets, uh, gets one over on him because Kevin's a little bit of a smaller guy. Uh, Dennis takes a shot at Kevin towards his head. Kevin falls hits to the him ground. In the face. Yeah. Shoots he him shoots at him in the face. He shoots at him twice. The first time it goes past his head, Kevin falls. Uh, Dennis goes into the other room to check out to make sure Catherine was, you know, still secured because he's freaking out at this point, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. 
Um, he's in there assuring her that Kevin's fine. It was no big deal. Like, just chill out. He goes back in there to double check to make sure that Kevin was, in fact, dead. And when he kicks him, Kevin springs up and starts fighting with him again. This is when Dennis shoots him in the face. Um, and then he goes back to Catherine and unfortunately ends up stabbing her to death. Like you were saying, the the firearms and the stabbing, that's not really his MO, but this went horribly wrong because he's completely an idiot and did not wow. account for someone trying to fight back because he just wants that total control over a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin manages, at this point, um, Dennis believes that he has killed Kevin and Catherine. He takes some of Catherine's belongings, which is something he does a lot. He takes trophies and he gets the hell out of there. Um, Kevin did not die. And he managed to escape and go get help. Um, police arrived. Him and Catherine are both transported to the hospital. Um Kevin is shot in the jaw, so he can't really communicate too well with law enforcement, but he did manage to give them a kind of a description of Dennis. Um, Unfortunately, Catherine did succumb to her injuries and she would become his fifth victim. Yeah. So what some some of the trophies he liked to take from his victims in general was their clothes, right? Like he had uh, paraphilia for female clothes. He would dress himself up. He said, yes. uh, that he used to like to play with his mom's clothes. He was kind of one of those types. We actually have some pictures uh, of Dennis. <laughs> so just to be uh, tell the audience, when you see these, these are not victims. These are Dennis right. himself. He would steal the clothes. He would bind himself up. Uh, and uh, he would create his own pornography of his own self. <laughs> what, an gr- uh, what a fucking nasty ass gross and lame i mean i would prefer that he do it to himself rather than these other people but of course i also also want to just give you a brief warning as i was researching this and getting uh screen grabs because this is an audio visual presentation if you're listening on spotify or or apple uh thank you for listening make sure you give us a five-star rating and review we appreciate it that's what drives us uh, in the algorithm and on the charts uh, but if you're just listening, you won't be able to appreciate the full gravity of this. But as I was great getting these screen grabs, like I said, folks, it's that time of year again. We're approaching Thanksgiving. You're doing your Thanksgiving shopping. And McCormick is here to bring you the delicious taste of rosemary, thyme, and other wonderful seasonings that have been trusted in your family since 1898. McCormick is a huge, huge blitz right now in terms of their, uh, their, their you know, marketing so as i was looking at this website and i was looking at pictures of uh of btk uh unfortunately mccormick needs to do more due diligence on uh, where they are spending their money because uh although i could have saved these pictures to my hard drive i thought they were better with this context here's a picture of uh btk dennis Rader, uh in some of his victims clothes and some of his self-made pornography uh <laughs> Truly a disturbing sight. He's got a he's got a weird mask on. Which, by the way, why isn't Halloween brought to us by weird masks? You can see he's in a picture here. He's wearing it looks like women's nylons, a dress, this weird female mask. It's almost a Buffalo Bill type inhabiting a, a woman here. But it's like a doll's mask, like it's a white yeah. porcelain with rosy cheeks and overdone makeup and a blonde wig. That's Dennis Rader. Oh, gross. you can see that it's the a creepy, you know, 1970s cameras where the flash is really bright and it's, you know, washing out a bunch of it. 
<laughs> seen at the bottom, trusted in love since 1898, McCormick. Uh, really, I, I do associate McCormick spices with like the happiest moments in my life. But just to see the words trusted and loved on the same screen as uh, Dennis Rader's self-pornography. Really upsetting case in point. Uh, here's another one. Here's uh, here's uh, the BTK killer. Dressed up in possibly a woman's slip. Uh, high heels. He's bound at the ankles. Uh, he has managed to bind his arms behind his back. It looks like somehow. I don't know how he's doing this all by himself. Like a guy is pretty talented in terms of like fucking himself up. He's oh out of the woods. God. He's laying on a nice picnic blanket. He looks in a state of uh, in a state of danger here. This guy's a sick motherfucker. Again, McCormick, trusted in love since 1898. Looks like we have some cornbread stuffing here on the screen. <laughs> hungry. Uh, it's really hard to get appetized and look forward to Thanksgiving with your family uh, when the, you are looking at a picture of Dennis Rader. It's very confusing. <laughs> uh, they say that Dennis Rader was warped at a young age, that he was made the way he is as he was discovering himself and his sexuality, You know that he was uh, involved with his mother's clothing. I hope that I am not being warped uh, at this very moment. I hope that like someone doesn't take out a thing of paprika at some point and I get a hard on. Uh, <laughs> final picture. Uh, here he is completely <laughs> hanging up off the ground. How does he do this, this is by wild. himself and get down? He... This is him hanging. His, his, his ankles are bound together. He is off the ground, completely off the ground. You could see the rope hanging beneath him from a tree. His arms are behind him. It looks like his eyes are taped shut and he has something over his face. And yeah, he's, he's in... um put like duct tape over his mouth and everything. Yeah, but how do you like string yourself up and then bind yourself? And how do we look at these pictures and not think at some point that he had an accomplice? I just, yes. I don't get it. Yes. Uh, I, because, I, go ahead. I could see that. And then him not just not um, wanting to give them credit because he wanted to take all the credit. I mean, I've. Well, at one point, I, they, they said that they, they, I don't know if it was the Otero murder or whatever, but the police said that they had a suspect. And that was when he wrote his first letter saying, it wasn't this guy. I did it by myself and I had no help. Yeah. Right? So that's actually a good segue because that's the next. Um, chronologically that's the next thing that happens is uh three or a couple of of boys or <clears throat> they weren't teenagers so they were young men they took credit for it um i don't know if they were already incarcerated they probably were um but this pisses dennis off because he wants obviously credit for his work so what he does is he writes a note a cryptic note he hides it in a book in a in a public library, and he writes in um, he writes into uh, a paper the Wichita Eagle, and tells them that you will you know these people are taking credit for something they didn't do. In fact, I have a quote here. He says, um, "Those three dudes you have in custody are just talking to get publicity." The code words for me will be bind them, torture them, kill them. BTK. You will he you will see he at it again. They will be on the next victim. That's a direct quote. All of his things were, had typos in them and everything like that. Yeah, he was he was an idiot. Mm -hmm. He really was. He was, uh, and I don't think that was on purpose. No, I, don't think he was uh, that I, smart. I know a lot of times the zodiac uh, would misspell things uh, on purpose. He's mm -hmm. either emulating that or he is stupid. But either way. He's not being original, you know, like this is your chance, Dennis, to I mean, obviously, you're a freak in your own special way. But um, 
all of that's getting lost in the fact that you're behaving like a Zodiac and other, other people. So yeah, he's not clever lame. enough to do that. Very lame. No. And, um, go they, on with the story though. Yeah. Um, afterwards, I want to get your thoughts by the way on the Zodiac. Cause apparently they know who he is. Um, I know who he is. Okay. <laughs> it's you. He's buddy. Uh. He's buddy Ebsen. <laughs> he, he, he was the dad on uh, Beverly Hillbillies. I don't know if you remember that or it was either that. him or uh, Dick Van Dyke is my second guess. <laughs> or, or both of them. Oh, no. Dick Van Dyke is a gem. I think. Uh, if yeah, something but horrible has happened. Him, just... after, he, after he did the one-man band on Mary Poppins, he, he went out and stabbed those two at Lake Berryessa. So I don't know if he's, if he's all that great. Well, according to a documentary that came out this year, it's some guy who was also an Air Force veteran. So Oh, interesting. That. Yeah, wonder yes. what Drew. Wonder what Drew's up to. He was an Air Force veteran, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So a few years go by, and uh, in Drew has a fascination with police that's somewhat uncomfortable. I have to say. <laughs> Are you equating him to? to I'm BCK just saying I don't. I don't know a lot about 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 what Drew's up to. Not. I'm just saying I don't know. I have no proof that he's a devious, cross-dressing, serial killer, pedophile, wank. I have no proof of I mean, that whatsoever. No one has ever seen Drew and the Zodiac Killer in the same room before, so. Unless they you have. <laughs> but that person's probably dead. So, anyway, in uh, 1977, a couple years later, <laughs> Dennis will strike again. Um, he initially goes to a street where he had been stalking a woman for a while. He was planning to make her his next victim. He goes, knocks on the door. She doesn't answer. So he's like, well, fiddlesticks. Let me go to my plan B, who was on a, um, a road called South Hydraulic Street, which is pretty interesting. Um, mm -hmm. He goes and knocks on, their door, on her door, and she also did not answer. So he's like, well... I took a day off for this and I don't know what to do now because I was trying to go murder and both of my plans fell through. Well, um, I guess luckily for him, he sees a young boy walking by and he takes this opportunity to pretend to be a private investigator. Like he does that. He's just weird. Um, he shows this young boy a picture of his wife. Yes, he is married with children. Um, all throughout his life, he married the same woman. He shows a picture of his wife and kids to this young boy. He's probably like five, six years old. And says, um, excuse me, this is my family and they're missing. Have you seen them in the area? And the boy's like, no, can't say I have. But Dennis is like pressing him to get information from him, essentially. Um, he's like, no, I, I don't know who they are. Somehow or another, Dennis gets um, gathers information from this young boy that his mother is home and it's just the kids and the mom at home so he watches the young boy walk down the street and sees what house he goes into i think he's only like three houses away at the time oh there's that there's that number again yeah so he goes <laughs> he goes that was uh, probably a coincidence it might have been but um you never know someone like that although he probably would have mentioned that because he's a self-absorbed idiot and he thinks he's smart but uh, Dennis goes and knocks on the door of this home. The young boy and his older brother answer the door. Um, 
he makes his way inside. And when the mother, Shirley Vianne, that's her name, when she comes out into the living room, uh, this is when Dennis takes his gun out. He draws the blinds and he tells her, you know, I'm I'm here to for one thing, and that is to bind you up and take photos of you. And if you comply, it'll be okay. Um, he starts to kind of bind up the kids, but he's realizing it's going to be kind of difficult. Um, so he abandons that idea and he locks them all in a bathroom. Uh, there's three children in the home. Mm-hmm. He takes them all. He puts them in the bathroom, locks them up. Um, the phone rings and this strikes Dennis as a little concerning because he starts to think about like, Oh, maybe somebody's on their way here. Could be her husband. Like he's not really sure. So it, it might tells, rouse suspicions that she's home sure. and not answering the phone. Yeah. Yeah. So he's in his mind, he had planned to kill the entire family, but because didn't, of this phone uh, call, didn't on other occasions, he cut the phone line. I mean, didn't he do I that think, even with the Oteros? I don't remember if he did that with the Oteros. Um, he might have, and then just didn't this time because it was kind of the spur of the moment. Um, but he definitely okay. did after this incident. He definitely did. Okay. Cause that I, was I one of his what, marks. When the panic hit Wichita that there was a serial killer, and I know that uh, people were afraid to go home and find him there. Yeah. So the first thing they would do is go in their house and make sure their phone worked. And if their line was mm-hmm. dead, you know, they knew to get the hell out of there. Go ahead. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, so he takes Shirley into the bedroom and he ties her up she's complying because she doesn't want him to hurt her children she's trying to do the same thing that um joe otero was doing and just comply and hopefully he goes away but unfortunately that's not what happened um shirley was bound he put a bag over her head and he strangled her to death um he took some trophies and he left he left the children locked in the bathroom and these poor children were obviously terrified and traumatized and not knowing if their mother's okay. Now they're locked in this bathroom. Um, The oldest child breaks the bathroom window and they escape, come in through the locked front door and find their mother. Unfortunately, they had to find that. They go, go get help from neighbors. And um, that's pretty much, that's how that goes. But it's at this point, You've got all these murders, and I think this is where some of the podcasts start to get like, well, how the hell do the police not know what's going on? This is the um, sixth murder victim that has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, But Dennis is kind of smart in the way that he's randomizing everything, and he does take precautions to make sure that he doesn't leave anything too telling behind, like a fingerprint or something like that. And mind yeah. you, this is the 70s. I don't know how big Wichita was back in the day. Um, can't, I don't think it was probably that big. No, um, it's the biggest city in Kansas. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't mean that it really, you know, ranks on the top 100 of cities nationwide. So, right, right. Exactly. There's, no D- there's no DNA at this point or anything. Obviously, if we mm-hmm. had had that, he has left behind plenty of DNA for us to find. But we're just we're yes. not we're not advanced enough for that. Right now, all we have is really a blood and semen typing where we can say, well, he's O negative, which or whatever Correct. he is. And that's uh, just not very exclusive. So, yes. And Dennis Rader, by the way, I didn't really get too too much into his background or who he was as a person because there's a lot and I didn't want to go off in the weeds. But um, to everyone around him, 
He was a regular guy. Nobody would have ever suspected him. He was upstanding. He was seemingly content in his marriage. He was a family guy. He was, a, um, those are his children right there. Um, They're also trusted in love since 1889. Um, And <laughs> I love how he's just lurking in the back. I know. He's, he's like behind them. Like, <laughs> like he's like waiting. It's weird. Um, Anyway, <laughs> but he was also a member, very active in his church. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of evil people know that they can hide in the church and they take advantage of that. And yeah, that without getting into a religious conversation, that's really, really bad for the church. Um, it is, but, uh, Tan but Tansy said it before that it's, you know, it's not it's not necessarily in the neighborhoods where your registered sex offenders are. If you go to a church and, and I do and. Uh, I've had, you know, I was thinking about this since Tansy said this, you know, as a police officer, that's, that's where you've got to be looking. Where are the dangerous people? Where are the people that you never suspect? Yes. And even considering that, I think about all the people in my church, you know, they're my church family. I know them. I like them. I love many of them. And, and to think that one of them could be, you know, uh, a discount Dennis Rader really just runs a, a chill through my spine. Uh, but the, it's the Dennis Rader had a key to the church that would come up to be important later. Uh, he was uh, a deacon or some other prominent member of, of the leadership in church. And to mm -hmm. be a leader in church, uh, it's not just a matter of putting in time. You have to have relationships with people and they have to see they have to see who you are as someone who can be counted on not only to, to seat people in the church or to have a key or to be the guy that knows, you know, uh, how to turn off the breakers in the church, but yeah. <laughs> someone that can guide the church uh in practical matters but also spiritually and the fact that dennis yeah. uh, made the cut for that is very upsetting yes i agree um unfor it's unset it's uh, upsetting but it is also not very uncommon unfortunately so but <clears throat> um at this point dennis is like i said he he's really wanting this um celebrity that comes with being a serial killer and he's starting to get a little irritated that he's not getting the recognition he's already left a clue and he likes that he's not being caught or identified at least but they're not making a big deal about it in the media which is what he wants he wants to see <clears throat> excuse me he wants to see his uh working uh works published in the media it's kind of weird but mm -hmm. um and well i mean same a lot of people are like that zodiac wanted mm -hmm. that ted kaczynski wanted that <laughs> Yes, uh, I think I was listening to that same shitty podcast recently, and they were talking about uh, <laughs> how Ted Kaczynski's uh, stuff was published in the newspapers. Uh, that was his primary demand is that he wouldn't stop blowing stuff up until they printed his manifesto. So yeah. I think a lot of these guys and, and I think for Ted Kaczynski, it really wasn't about killing people. It really was about his ideology. Uh, you yeah. know, not, not that he wasn't a demented killer himself, but. Uh, for him, it really was about the, uh, get, getting attention for what his beliefs were. And uh, right. Zodiac obviously wanted attention when it started drying up, uh, when they weren't, uh, you know, being overly communicate, communicative about the stuff that he was doing or when they started getting too close to him, he sort of withdrew. But I think the right. attention is is very much a part of it. Case in point, I was trying yeah. to watch this documentary last night to be even more well prepared. It was the confessions of the BTK, BTK killer. And you hear the recordings of him calling from prison. And uh, I was a correctional officer for six and a half years. And I know the type. Uh, I know the type of guy that feels nothing about his crimes. Uh, he, it's cr classic criminal thinking that um, it's either not his fault or he didn't do anything wrong at all. He feels no compunction mm -hmm. or remorse about that. He loves the attention. Like at one point, 
you know, she's like, you know, why are you cooperating with this? Why are you communicating with me? He goes, well, because I just have a very dark mind. I've got a very dark mind. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? The $64,000 question. Why my mind so dark? You know, I go to my 12 by 8 concrete cell and I see these little circles and I, I draw these little pictures and they're the eyes and they're my little cave monsters. And then they show us his stupid fucking little drawings. And it's just this guy really, really, really gets off on the attention. And that's when I turned off the documentary because even though he's not getting paid uh, to participate in this, like the part of the settlement with the families is that any money that comes out of um, BTK uh, stuff where he, he, you know, he collaborates with that. It's um, there's a law. I think it, it might even be the son of Sam law. I'm not sure, but uh, it basically, you know, OJ Simpson, he can't make any money off of any books that he writes, which is why he hasn't written one. Um the the money goes to the families so yeah uh, but but i decided like between this this uh profiler person or whatever she seemed like she wanted a lot of attention too like the way i was analyzing her and analyzing him i'm like they teamed up for to get a lot of attention and i just turned it off because i i get sick of that i yeah, had enough that's... of that in prison and i i just won't be yeah. one more person that pays it pays attention to btk this podcast notwithstanding <laughs> that's kind of like um Sandra London, who was um, the girlfriend of Gerard Schaefer and then later the fiance of Danny Rowling, she, um, we've covered both of those people on this podcast, and she wrote books with them and maintained relationships with them and touted herself as like, I'm special because they talk to me and me alone. And yeah. it's like, that was exactly what she said. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. It's like, hey, um, there's was, evil in the world, but you're you're seeing it. You're not taking a stand against it, and you're like participating and prolonging it. It's just gross to me. I don't. It's yeah. almost worse than. I agreed. She was she was the same. She was like, you know, uh, he 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 would engage with me because <clears> he <throat> saw that I had the credentials that I was taking him seriously. And I guess he sent her this shitty cipher that had like recipes in it. And he's like, I, I heard you like to cook, and you like three layer dip, and. So then, Dude, because this guy's a, ma a mastermind, he he circled. He's found this recipe and and put it in the mail to her and circled three letters. Guess guess which three letters? BTK. Her initials. Oh oh. No, his. <laughs> it's even stupider than you think. BTK. He, and then so what yes, he, he he circled those three very common letters. You know. Are you talking about? To... Sorry, um, just to clarify, are you talking about? Uh, oh my gosh. Of course, I forgot her name. She's like a psychiatrist, psychologist, yeah. and she she wrote the books. Okay, I just want to make sure we're talking about the same person. Yeah, we're talking uh, about the same person. Yeah, she goes around and she talks to police departments about the myths of uh, of profiles and things like this. I don't think she's an FBI agent though. So no, she's not. Anyway, let's move on because that's gonna that's gonna open up another can of worms, and we'll be here for another two hours again. And Drew yeah, will be we, really we mad. promise, Drew, we would never do a two hour <laughs> episode again. Point point being, she doesn't work for the FBI. Although the FBI's models on BTK were were pretty far off, they don't. I don't think obviously didn't catch him. Go ahead though. Yeah. Um. So same year as Shirley Vian, um, Nancy Fox became another victim of Dennis's. Um. He does the same mo where he breaks in and he waits for her. He binds her. He strangles her. Um. At this point, like I was saying, he's not getting um the media hype that he wanted. And this is pissing him off. So he, he, um, the weird paradox of that is he's mad, but he also is fueling his, um, like narcissism and he's cocky and he thinks that he's smarter than detectives. So after he kills Nancy, he goes to a payphone 
And he calls 911 and he says, you will find a murder at this address, at Nancy's address. Um, he doesn't hang up. He leaves the uh, phone off the off the hook and it's just kind of an open line. He leaves the phone booth and uh, a man who apparently was a firefighter immediately stepped in to use the phone. And when he picked it up, he realized it was 911 and they told him what just happened. So he kind of gave like he tried to give a brief description, but it didn't go anywhere because he wasn't looking at Dennis in the phone booth thinking, I need to know what this guy looks like. Right. So um, that goes cold. And in 1978, so a year later, Dennis has had enough of this bullshit of not getting um, notoriety. So he sends a poem to the Wichita Eagle, which is the the paper that he uh, wrote into the first time. And he sends a poem about Shirley Vianne. And I'm going to read it to you because it's fucking terrible. Um, this is why I began the episode with a terrible couplet, though. He, okay. the, he, had, he, he had a couple of, of monikers he wanted to be known by. Uh, with yes. Something we'll talk about in a bit is that he, he had suggestions for names for himself. What was it? The poetic strangler or poetic killer was one that he wanted. And get a load of this yeah. really bad, bad poem. It's terrible poetry. Yes. Shirley Locks, Shirley Locks, wilt thou be mine? Thou shalt not scream, nor yet fee the line, but lay on cushion and think of me and death and how it's going to be. And I would just like to point out that he spelled scream S-C-R-E-E-M. So <laughs> um, those are the poetic workings of Dennis Rader. And they uh the paper ignored it because they thought it was a it terrible was, Valentine's Day poem. It was, and they didn't publish it. was terrible. They're like, why are 13-year-old <laughs> kids writing in here? Um, yes. I so, know at one point at one point too, and and I don't want to step on your toes if you're about to get to this, but uh there was another poem. Uh at one point, uh I should get the details on this specifically, but he had broken into someone's house and was waiting for her to come home and she uh-huh. wasn't there. And so he left her a poem about, uh, you know, I, her name might have been Anna or it something. It was Anna. You know, yeah. Anna. Oh, Anna, why didn't you show up or whatever? And he keeps like, <laughs> he keeps like, yeah. he, he drew little pictures of all this. And he's just like, well, I, I, we were going to have such terrible fun. Why didn't you show up? And he stole her her clothes. And so she came home and apparently he had been lying in wait for her. But, but even that was a really fucking terrible poem. Like, this guy, yes, he, it, he has such delusions of grandeur himself as a serial killer, himself yep. as an artist, himself as a poet, his, himself as a deep thinker, himself as an original person, himself as, as, a, as an all-time American killer, serial killer heavyweight. He has like the most delusions of grandeur of anyone that, yeah. I've ever, that I've ever looked into, of any case that I've ever been curious about. He has this absolutely, absolute lack of self-awareness, like zodiac had had delusions of grandeur you know obviously if he thinks he's going around collecting people uh, for the afterlife you think about uh, the dc sniper he literally called himself god uh you know which is a huge claim to make um but (laughs) (laughs) dennis rader he he just he he has this 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 cockiness about him that is totally undeserved you know and i I don't want to glorify those other killers but at least you know at least we were actually, you know, af- afraid of those people, Zodiac, uh, DC Sniper, and all that. 
Uh, it's not that I'm not afraid of a, a, of a fucked up guy like this, but it, it's not because of his intellectual prowess. That's yes. for sure. I don't think he's going to outwit me. He's, he's likely, he's largely just getting lucky case in point uh, where he had to stab and shoot those two. It's, and he, yeah. you know, I don't know if he, if he had any sexual gratification in that case, but. Uh, I don't think so. It, it got completely obliterated. Um, yeah, he, got, <clears throat> he, got, he got his ass kicked by a guy named Kevin. So he's like, he's like, if you, if you see this giant, tall, like bruiser of a man with tattoos and he's bald and he's coming to fight you. And um, he opens his mouth and his voice is like really high pitched. That's kind of what I think about Dennis Rader mm-hmm. because all of his efforts and crazy shit gets ruined. I mean, obviously I'm not disclaiming the fear he put in his victims, but as an outsider reading about it, it's kind of like, like you said, it, it takes off. It takes the edge off because you're like, wow, this guy's a dumbass. He's just an idiot. But anyway, yeah. and well, he, case, he's an idiot. He, he got himself caught, which is something Zodiac yeah. was able to do. And I think that he um, if Dennis was attempted to be BTK now, he would have been caught immediately. He had the oh, luxury yeah. of being in the 70s, and that's why he wasn't caught. It's not because he was smart. It's because. Yeah we didn't have the resources and the technology to catch him back then pretty much. But yeah, his um, rejected poem pissed him off, of course. So he said, you know what? I'm going to make this a little more direct. Um, he sends in a message to a local news station, KAKE, uh, where he identifies himself as a serial killer. And this is when he starts giving like nickname suggestions, like you were saying, the poetic mer- strangler and like the asphyxiator. Um, the and the BTK, yes, the and the BTK strangler is one that he mentioned, and this is the name that um, the police chief, the Wichita police chief, would use in a press conference um, after the news turned this information over to them, and that's how he became known as the BTK killer strangler. Yeah. Um, he put the information, he being the chief, uh, he put the information out in this press conference and he made a statement that he says, there's no reason to believe he's going to strike again. So don't be afraid. And I, I remember reading that and thinking like, Oh, I bet people ate that shit up. Um, in a, like to point at law enforcement to be, uh, you know, pieces of crap or not caring or whatever, lying, covering up as they like to say. Yeah, and, but, um, but they're also trying to <clears throat> manipulate and control him through the media, though. Like, correct. You know, they're probably trying to get him to continue to speak to him through letters and things like that, because eventually he'll screw up. That and you know, in a press conference, when you don't have a lot of information, because what is the information here? They don't have actual leads on any of these murders. They have no idea who actually committed them yet. They have no connections to anyone at all. The only clues they have are these messages they keep getting. Um, and I don't think they've put them all together yet. So what else are you going to say? You can't go on as a police. You can't go on the news as the police uh, chief, chief of police <laughs> and say like, yeah, we have, we have these bits of information and we have no idea. We have no leads. So lock your doors. Like, yeah, you can't do that. So I don't know what they would expect him, what else they would expect him to do because they didn't have, they didn't have, it's not like he wrote in and said, I'm going to kill somebody in three days. So you better watch out. You know, Yeah. there's also really no reason to create a panic and whether he is or isn't going to do it, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
you as, as a police chief it would be irresponsible to say like we are it's you know you're you're in critical danger so yeah <laughs> there's exactly. that you know he's he's trying to ass assuage that kind of fear and he's only he's only attempting to assuage it because he knows people are afraid of this uh mm -hmm. he's just trying not to be inflammatory about it so right. i guess i exactly. understand that exactly um so after this um incident where he writes into the media and the press conference and everything a year later in uh, 79 this is when he breaks into the home of anna williams the, the woman we were just discussing um she never comes home or she comes home much much later she was out um square dancing or line dancing or something like that uh Bizarre. she was out having a what good a, time what a wichita thing to do <laughs> yeah uh i've done that before I used to go line dancing quite a bit, actually. Yeah, but you're you're kind of an old country girl, aren't you? I was definitely raised that way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm reformed. You're as reformed. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Anna's out. She doesn't come back, and Dennis gets tired of waiting around for her. So he takes some of her things and and leaves. I think he writes a message for her on the mirror. Um. She comes home, realizes her phone line is cut. She thinks it's very odd. She doesn't really put a lot together, um, but he starts mailing her her items that he stole from the house. And this is when she realizes, oh my God, it was BTK. She puts two and two together. And he wrote her that letter that you were this terrible poem about where were you? She leaves Wichita, which is very smart. Um, <laughs> so... Later that year, um, after this whole thing comes about with Anna, uh, the phone call that he made from the payphone after he murdered Nancy was released to see if they could get any tips. Nothing really pans out. No, um, the police the police didn't know the sound of the voice, and neither did the public. Right. So. Right, and so um, and, and, and there the, were people the, who knew Dennis Rader who had heard his voice and, and most assuredly heard the nine one one call and couldn't tell. Yeah, you, you don't know unless someone has a very distinct voice or a weird accent or not a weird, but, you know, a different accent. Like, let's say he was from Maine and wasn't from Wichita. You know, yeah. somebody would be like, hey, that's that's de that's deadness. Yeah. Holy crap. I can't talk. Um, I also listened to the recording and the quality just wasn't great. That's just. Yeah, there's that's just telephones thing. in the 70s. So, yep. So um, nothing really happens for a couple of years. Um Wichita police uh, assemble a task force that they actually named Ghostbusters <laughs> to nice. find him. Um, that was in 1984. So about five years go by and Dennis at least isn't being detected by of killing anybody at this point. Um, the next year in 85, he murders his uh, parents' neighbor. Um, I, I, I'm sorry to keep explaining these murders like in depth, but it's just odd the way that he does these things. Um, he was a scout leader for his son's uh, Boy Scout troop. Mm -hmm. Which makes the first murder of that 11-year-old girl all the more disturbing. He has his own yes. children, mm -hmm. which he was killing actively throughout the cycles of them being born. Like him having a newborn child doesn't dissuade him from, from his murderous sexual fantasies. Mm -hmm. um, having Having a wife all this time and and having family it just he never establishes any kind of empathetic bond for his victims go ahead no um 
this this uh, him being a scout leader is significant because he was on a camping trip uh, for the for the troop with other dads, and uh, he tells them, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm not feeling so hot. I'm going to turn in for the night." He goes back to his tent, um, or he tells him he's going back to his tent, but he actually goes and gets in his car. He sneaks away from the camp. He drives to uh, the street where his this is his parents' neighbor, so he parks along the street. He gets out. He goes through his parents' backyard. He makes his way to their neighbor's house. Um, her name was Marine Hedge. Hedge. He breaks into her home. He's waiting for her. She comes home with a friend after going out for bingo. He's there for about an hour. He, he being the friend, leaves. Dennis attacks her. He does the typical MO where he's strangling her. He strips her. But this time, for whatever reason, he decides that he's going to take her to his church. He loads her up. He wraps her up, loads her in her own vehicle, drives her to the church. He takes her inside. He positions her in various positions and takes photographs of her corpse inside of his church in a classroom where I'm sure they hold Sunday, you know, Sunday school, which is disgusting. Mm -hmm. Um, He puts her back in her vehicle, drives her somewhere um, far away. He he dumps her in a ditch, right? He dumps her in a ditch. Yep. And then he abandons her car. Um, that, and then he goes back to the camp out like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And that is really, I don't know, something about that particular one just really grosses me out all around everything. Yeah. I don't, I, it's, every it's aspect really, of that is disgusting. It's really weird because it's like you can tell he, he doesn't have much of a real life despite being an active in the church and being this boy scout leader and and his kids Mm -hmm. like he doesn't actually care about that he cares about his fantasy life he's preoccupied with it all the time yes you know to be a serial killer you have to have a cool down phase you know if you're just going out and doing this every day then you're technically a spree killer uh but he would he would have these cool down periods and like you know what what would get him into a state where he had to go active again what would get him get get him roused and of course you know i guess i'd have to do a deep dive on the books to figure that out but it kind of disturbs me to think that he was spending time with these uh, young boys and uh, you know, I don't, I don't think they were sexually interesting to him. All, you know, I think he killed them. You know, we don't know if he was stimulating himself while they were dying or after, after they died. But uh, you know, obviously he's surrounded by all these kids and he decides, man, I just got to go do this right now. And he, uh, he leaves. And I, th- I think there was actually a bit more of a setup on it with that one. Um, is that the one where he went to the bar and established an alibi first, or was that the next he went- one? Yeah, he went to a bowling alley, pretended to get drunk, and then took a taxi from the bowling yeah. alley to the. That's yeah. a good. I forgot about that. That's a good. Um, thank you for bringing that yeah, back he, up because he he, he planned he, that one. Yeah, he planned it very well. He told he told them that he had a headache. He needed to go to town to get some aspirin or have something for it. Went to a bowling alley or a bar, had some beer, just put it in his mouth briefly. He wasn't even interested in drinking or getting drunk. Spilled some on himself. Called the cab. Uh, pretended to be drunk, told the cabbie to drop him off at a park because so, he needed to walk it off before going home. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how he was delivered nearby to the site uh, where he he made that that kill. So uh, it's starting to get a little bit more more complicated later in his career. Obviously, the first ones, you know, he had this uh, stupid bullshit story about being AWOL and all this. 
And then uh, things got worse for him as he met resistance, you know, to the point where he couldn't even really complete the acts as intended and uh, had, had to use things. And now, mm-hmm. now he has so much forethought about it. You could tell he's spending most of his time thinking about it, that he has this complicated setup for an alibi and, and a way to get there in which, you know, he's not necessarily going to be traced. Kendra. Yes. So um, two more murders that are notable. We'll go through them really quick because we're getting to the point where he's going to um, get caught. Um, the the ninth i want to say the ninth victim um vicky i'm gonna butcher this last name so i apologize her name was vicky weggerl weggerl um he broke into her home strangled her she was home alone with her two-year-old son vicky he you know took trophies and left same mo um the reason i mention this is because vicky's husband came home and found her like that uh, and for years, law enforcement suspected him of this murder, yeah, which, which horrible. I feel so, yes, I feel so bad for him because, you know, uh, being accused of murdering your spouse, the person that you love the most in the world, when you didn't do that is bad enough. But becoming a number one suspect, I, I'm pretty sure uh, most of the people in your life are going to abandon you or, or cut ties with yeah. you. You're yep. lucky if you get somebody that believes you. So not only are you dealing with the hell of finding your wife like that and then being accused of it, you have to now raise your son alone and be ostracized from every support system that you could possibly have. And yeah. I just, my heart goes out to him. He does get justice in the end. So that's happy, but it was a long time before that happened. So he had to live a lot of his life like that. And I just, I feel bad for him because I can't imagine the the um it's something probably a lot more than anger in that um so that happened in uh, 86 uh quite a little bit of time goes by about five years in 91 a woman named dolores davis becomes his final victim final known victim um again same mo breaks in waits strangles her for whatever reason, he dumps her under a bridge. I don't really know the motive behind that. He may have said it and I missed it. I don't know. But he dumps her. This is in January of 91. In February of 91, some boys find her um, under this bridge with one of those weird masks that he would wear in those pictures. Um, yes, that one. If you're watching, you can see it. I don't know what that was about. I don't know if he took... I don't know, some sort of, it had to be a symbol of something. Honestly, Maybe it was just his signature to let people know I'm, it was I'm him. I'm very against, uh, I'm very against things like gun control. You know, I'm all about privacy, but there should be a law that if you buy that fucking mask, that the police just arrest you immediately. Look at that <laughs> creepy ass mask. What's the other application of that mask? Don't tell me it's for like some legitimate Halloween party or something. I mean, that's a bizarre and weird mask. The only it's other just... time I've seen that is for like when people are trying to be like the purge or whatever for Halloween because they wear those masks in the I movie. I, I don't know, but um, McCormick anyway, Spices so... Trusted in Love since 1881. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, I've been trying this entire episode to draw a connection between McCormick Holiday Spices and the pictures. And the only thing that I can think of is when you like tie up a turkey yes you, you truss it up season yep. it 
Trust. Thank you're, you. You're trust. Not, you're not. You're not doing that to keep the stuffing or the or the moisture inside. You're just doing it because it gives you a sick pleasure. <laughs> and then it drives you to murder people, and it drives you to murder a turkey. Yes. <laughs> Well, it was already murdered when you get it. So, I mean. Yeah, but, you know, you could take pictures of yourself with it and stuff. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So, time goes by um, and BTK kind of falls off the map after this um, 91 murder. And and one of the things that comes up later uh, after Dennis is caught is that this is the time when he becomes a compliance officer or like a code enforcement officer, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. when he's being a little pinhead and measuring grass and getting um, dogs euthanized and all this. And um, I wrote some notes that I think, this is just my own theory, I think he falls off the map when he does this because there's a theme throughout this where when he takes breaks, like you said, like a cool off period, and he preoccupies himself with being this facade that he's created of a, a content family man that's active in his church and all this. Um he says later that when he first married Paula, he was like madly in love, like genuinely madly in love with her and his love for her made it to where he didn't even want to kill anymore. Oh, um, he said, I know. Right. <laughs> he also said that when he was um, in the air force and he had a steady job afterwards, he like him having these other purposes in life made the feelings, the urges to kill less and less. And eventually they actually went away for a while. Um, he got laid off from his jo first job out of the Air Force after he got married. And that's what kind of kickstarted all of this, according to him. Yeah. I so, The thing that I was watching, this is the other thing that made me insane. He, and she's just like, uh, when you were outside in the Oteros and, and uh, Otero family, and why, you know, why were you hesitating? Or why were you, what did you think? Why were you, why were you doing this? And he goes, you know, I think I was just so sick at the system. And I'm like, what the fuck? Oh my God. You were sick what does of the that system? Even mean? You mean you mean the structure by which talented and hardworking people succeed? So is that is that the system that you're frustrated with? And obviously the only answer is is you're gonna go rape and kill this family or strangle them. It was it was just so stupid. It's like he had no good reason. So he's like, uh, it was the system. What and system? It, I don't know, but we still have it to this day where someone's like, why did this happen? The system, systemic racism, systemic inequity, the capitalism, the system. My, when okay. I was in college, I had this stupid professor that used to say that crime was a form of innovation, people rebelling against a system in which they could not succeed. I'm like, you realize people are just assholes, right? And some people are just what? evil and twisted. <laughs> it has nothing what? to do with the system. Like, this guy is clearly a loser. There's so many losers out there. But this guy does what he does because he's an unsatisfied, bizarre, paraphiliac loser. That's it. It's not the system. Anyway, sidebar. That's the dumbest fucking shit I've ever heard in my life. Okay. Very stupid. Uh, well, um, in 2004, so we've gone from 91 to 04. I can't do math, but I think that's like... It's over 100 years. 11 years or something like that. No, mm -hmm. what? 11 years? Yeah, like 15 years. 13 okay. years. But anyway. I guessed some 100. <laughs> some time went by. Mm -hmm. um, and the Wichita Eagle re rears its head again and, and publishes a 30, 30th anniversary article about uh, the first, the first the Otero family. Yeah. Uh, Dennis sees this and it's like, you know what? I'm going to get back into that shit. And he 
sends in um, a package to the paper from a Bill Thomas Killian or BTK. Mm, smart. Uh, it, yes. In the package was Vicki Wergel's driver's license and a uh, pictures of her body and the uh, BTK signature. So this is when um, Vicky's husband is finally like relieved of this suspicion and this horrible life that he's had to live up until this point. So um, that's a, that's one good thing. That's one positive thing from that. Um, In 2005, frustrated with not being caught and getting the notoriety that he's been craving all this time, uh, Dennis starts sending in clues and leaving leaving little like Easter eggs for people to find around town. Um, one of them was a garbage bag that someone found in a park that had Nancy Fox's driver's license. This is the girl that he used a payphone to call and report, um, along with a Barbie doll that was tied up the way that he tied her up with a bag over its head. I so. a bag. I think I have a picture of that. Actually, is that? Okay. Because um, he sent in more than one Barbie doll, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? Yeah, so he's, was... he yeah, he sent in um, one of the packages that he sent to the police was filled with these little like puzzle games, kind of like with like encrypted shit and like a word search. Um, very reminiscent of like the Zodiac. And the detectives kind of like figured out a pattern where they saw Raider and a numeric that ended up being his address within these uh, clues that he sent. And um, if you're watching, that's a photo of one of the Barbie dolls that uh, I think that's supposed to be Josephine because of the pipe, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Yeah, which is disgusting. Um, he's just, again, he's just a sick, disgusting loser. Um, anyway, he's sending in postcards with instructions as well. Um, leading detectives to find cereal boxes for whatever reason. They they find one that had another Barbie doll in it. Um, and then <clears throat> the one that, that was kind of like the nail in the coffin for him. Okay, they, I think this is the one that was found in the park. Yeah, because it's it's got her driver's license at the bottom. This uh, driver's okay. license was is 20 years old at this point. I believe mm-hmm. this is what was in the contents of the special K box. Okay, yeah. Was that wasn't that left at a Home Depot or am I so wrong? So that the one that you just put up on the screen is a different one from the Home Depot okay. one. That Sorry. one, um, no, you're fine. It, it gets confusing because he just he did a lot all at once. Um, one of the one of the clues he sent in was instructing them to go to a Home Depot where he where he hid another cereal box. They were looking and looking and they couldn't find it, so they finally started interviewing some of the employees and. One of the employees said, oh, I found a cereal box in the back of my truck when I was going home. I didn't think anything of it. I just thought someone threw trash in the back of my truck. But I still have it in my garbage at home. And detectives went, searched the, searched the garbage, found this cereal box. And inside that cereal box was um, basically a note asking law enforcement if... BTK could communicate through a floppy disk without it being traced back to who he it, really it's is. It's always good to ask the people who are pursuing you doggedly for their entire lives and for their income, asking them if it's okay to uh, 
it's more easy to just send you a floppy disk than to write these pesky notes. <laughs> so Dennis, like in the instructions, he said, if this is possible for me to communicate through a floppy disk and not get caught, then you are to publish in the newspaper, quote, Rex, it will be okay. Yeah. In the classified Which, section. Yeah. Yes. And Dennis, being the intelligent man that he is, believes that law enforcement isn't allowed to lie to him. So he, he, he also liked the camaraderie. Like at one point, like yeah. uh, there's a lead investigator on the case, and as they're receiving uh, clues and items, and obviously it's going through the news cycle, uh, they're trying to get BTK to communicate with him, trying to make him seem like they're not trying to agitate him, they're not trying to encourage him, but just to keep him talking. And they they almost create this false sense of a personal relationship with this lead investigator mm -hmm. at BTK. So he feels like he can trust him. Uh, you know, when he was when he was a code compliance dog catcher or whatever, obviously he he liked that sense of authority and collegiality uh, yeah. that he's that he's one of the police. And I think that that's what they, they were going for. So he he believed yeah. them when he's when when the police said, yeah, that would be fine. Yeah, they they did what he asked and they they published Rex. It'll be OK. Um, I think it was uh, the investigator was Ken Landwehr was. And where yes. was the homicide detective in Wichita? Go ahead. Yeah, he's got a very interesting last name. I wasn't sure how to pronounce that. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, Dennis sees that they responded through the classifieds, and he sends in a floppy disk. Um, they, they called him a cyber cop in the source that I was reading, which I thought was funny. Um, but cyber cop Randy Stone, Officer Randy, um, <laughs> he... <laughs> Get on the computer. <laughs> and just to clarify, that is not the Officer Randy. Officer Randy's full name is Randy Randall. So just to clarify. <laughs> I'm on the computer. <laughs> Don't use the phone. I'm on the computer. <laughs> so this um, Officer Stone, this Detective Stone, Cyber Cop Stone, was able to find through metadata on the floppy disk that the user's name was Dennis and that mm -hmm. the floppy disk had been used at Christ Lutheran Church and the Park City Public Library. So yeah. like like at one point there were files saved on there that contained Dennis's name, contained yes. the name of the church or whatever. And yep. he thinks that when he erases them, that like the data is actually destroyed. Like to, to overwrite mm -hmm. a floppy disk, you have to do it like four or five times to completely erase all the information because the way data is stored on a floppy disk, like you can have fragmented pieces of information. Mm -hmm. So like there's pieces on the disk that still say your name on it, essentially. Like yes. you could write a, you could delete all this stuff, but like your name, Dennis, is the name of your, of your Zion <laughs> Trinity, Zion, uh, your Trinity Lutheran church are still on there. And then it has this other stuff that you sent. So you're an idiot it's still on the hard disk. Yes. He's a complete fucking idiot. And, um, a quick Google search. Well, I don't know if it was Google back then, but a an internet search of the church name. It was Ask um, Jeeves, yeah. Ask Jeeves, okay. You're asking a search engine to search in a search engine for you. Um, but Ask Jeeves revealed that the church president of Christ Lutheran Church was Dennis Rader. There, there was so, a, there was another piece of evidence that linked that linked those two things together though when he, he when he dumped something at, at Home Depot, even though this guy had been installing ADT security systems forever and a day, he didn't realize that Home Depot has surveillance systems yes. in 2005 or whatever it is, and um, so 
of course, Home Depot has that. Now, they're not able to make a lot out of this footage. I used to work in retail around 2005, and I remember they used to have pretty decent footage, but it, it got really bad at night. Uh, it was very grainy and, and not very high resolution at night. But they're able to look at the vehicle being driven by the BTK killer, the man who left the clue behind, and they're judging by the wheelbase and the shape of the vehicle that it's a Jeep Cherokee, which is one of the most unique looking vehicles, certainly in silhouette that you could possibly drive. You know, most vehicles look the same now. Everything's kind of a copy and paste of each other. Yeah. Like I encourage you as you drive around, like you'll see two SUVs that are driving next to each other, same color, look almost exactly alike, but the trim around the headlight, around the, the lights is different. And you'll say, well, mm -hmm. that's a Hyundai and that's a Hyundai. Like they're not the yes. same. Back then, Jeep Cherokee, and even to this day, if it, especially if it was a, a, a regular Cherokee, but even a Grand Cherokee, these are very specific looking vehicles. You could also tell that it was black. They went by Dennis Rader's house because they had his name and his information. And what do they see in the driveway? A Jeep black Cherokee. Jeep Cherokee. Yep, <laughs> idiot. So that's so when they, they started doing surveillance on them and, and things yes. like that. Go ahead. Well, I just um, want to just make mention of this real quick because it kind of was, this is the only part where I was like, why did you do it that way? But um, it was smart, I guess. They um, Because the Ghostbusters task force did such a good job back in the 80s of preserving evidence and making sure that they um, correctly collected it to not to disturb the DNA, they were able to take the DNA from this evidence of all these murders um, and compare it to um, Dennis's daughter's DNA. And they got this DNA from, um, they subpoenaed it from a hospital where they learned that she'd had a pap smear recently. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how they linked, like solidified, like, yes, we have all of these things. We have PC, we've got an admission essentially. Like we can... We can get the ball rolling, and they finally they arrest him. Now, they had um, blood and semen from him because, of course, he left semen in lots of places. Yes. But at one point, when he was breaking into the house of that old woman, the one he took to the church, I believe his yeah. mode of entry into her house late at night was that he grabbed a concrete brick and ran mm -hmm. through the glass door. And either coming or going, he cut his leg at some point. So he has left blood behind. Go ahead. Yes. So um, Dennis is arrested for 10 murders. Um, he goes to court. He waives his preliminary hearings. He admits to it. He pleads guilty. He is extremely graphic, very detailed, very honest, very open, very, yes, this is what I did. Look at me. I'm finally getting the notoriety. Um, just being an ass about it, essentially. I mean, it's he helpful. Was he was that way from go when uh, he was driving yep. home one day. All of a sudden, he's surrounded by police cars. They get him out of the car and put him in in. Uh into the police car with the lead investigator, Ken Landwehr. Dennis gets out of the car and goes, oh, hello, Ken. You know, he obviously knows the lead investigator. Mm -hmm. uh, he thinks he has a personal relationship with him. He's almost thrilled to be caught because now he can tell everything that he's wanted to tell and he can yeah. do a big deal. Ken, yep. of course, is like, hello, Dennis, refusing to call him BTK. And he starts right from there. Like he has his initial interrogation was something like 30 hours. Like it was over a day. It was a marathon investigation of him explaining the past 30 years of his crimes. And only then, you know, did the lawyer show up after the fact and tell him to shut up, which at that point, there's nothing you could do as a lawyer. You know, he's made all these statements against interest and they've Mirandized him. Uh, and he just runs at the mouth. And, you know, he's he, it's a it's a full legally obtained and good confession. You're yep. screwed, bud. Yeah, so he, and on top of all that, which I'm sure he pled guilty because one, he wanted to be 
have the recognition, but also, like you said, he ran his mouth and the lawyer is like, okay, well, we're going to have to plead guilty because the going to trial for something like that, we've talked about this on the show. It's like, it would have been a slam dunk case, but like he admitted to it and it's a lot of money and, and resource and effort time from the jury. And it's kind of like going to trial would be satisfactory for us to see, but if he's admitting to it and they can get the convictions and that's what they're going to do. So um, the sentencing hearing took two days and he was convicted of 10 murders and sentenced to 10 consecutive life term uh, sentences without the possibility of parole. It's a minimum of 175 years. And um, well, now Kendra, reason- he's not going to live nearly that long. He's got to already <laughs> be in his sixties. Not if he's a Scientologist, um, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he, uh, um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought thinking yeah, about Tom Cruise I, I, jumping on a couch. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, but you he, know the the goes, movie uh, American Psycho that Christian Bale based yeah, his oh, performance yeah. off of Tom Cruise that, the, oh, that yes. he was happy but but completely vacant under that expression. Just yes, a little that, aside. That's a great movie, and I'm glad to know that you've seen it. Um, I have seen it. Yes. So, um, he doesn't get sentenced. Uh, they made a note of this. The crimes that he was convicted of happened prior to 1994, which is when a death penalty was reinstated in Kansas. So he didn't get death penalty. Um, he's still alive. He's still in prison. Um, this year, just for a little update, this year um, they have connected him to three other victims. I have the names. So I don't want to mess them up. Um, they were in Missouri, Oklahoma, and also, I believe, Kansas. So Cynthia Kinney of Oklahoma went missing in 1976. Uh, Shauna Garber was found deceased in Missouri in 1990. And the third victim who hasn't been identified but is believed to be uh, one of Dennis's victims because he drew, I, I guess he drew a picture of her in 2005 and, and it was the likelihood, the connection was made there so yes and that was um as of september 5th um they also because of the first two because of cynthia and shauna they uh, police executed a search warrant on the lot where dennis raider's home was standing it's obviously been torn down and they've in august and they found some more trophies and uh bondage materials um, things that belong to other victims and things and stuff like that. So hopefully they'll yeah. be able to connect him to more if he's committed more. Um, but that's, that is the BTK case. And also um, another thing I read that grossed me out was that he tried to compare himself to the Gilgo beach guy when he got caught. Like you're still trying to be relevant and you're not cause you're a dumb piece of shit. So yeah. That's kind of why I encourage you not to uh, to be a big BTK fan. Uh, something I saw while I was searching, this kind of made me mad, is that uh, I guess, you know, I know there's such a thing as true crime groupies. I guess that's who mm-hmm. listening and that's kind of who we are. But uh, here's a, a Dennis Rader BTK mugshot uh, face mask for your COVID protection. Uh, you're a special kind of fucked up person if you think that uh, getting the picture of a man who uh, strangled and sexually molested a little girl hanging from a lead pipe if you think that's something appropriate to put on your face you should just go ahead and get yourself locked up right now uh to say nothing about the politics of covid masks but holy fuck people why, why does that exist 
uh, I'm mad that I've ever seen that. So don't be that way. It's uh, disgusting. Yes, you're disgusting if you do that. Not you, Kendra, specifically, because I know that you would not do that. Uh, do you want to uh, hit uh, other podcast stupidest takes before we uh, cancel or end the show? <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's do it. Let's I'm do so it. I'm so angry. I'm like, I don't want to do this show anymore. I'm, I'm so <laughs> bad by that COVID mask. All right, here's other podcast stupidest takes. Here we go. But then he acted like the name was bestowed upon him. Why would he say like he acted like he was like the night stalker or something like that? They gave it to him. Like he was like, crowned with the yeah. name. He he literally told the Herald Sun, quote, I embraced it. I had a label on me. I was like the Green River Killer or Son of Sam. But they didn't name themselves, you moron. Like, no, it wasn't, you dumb cockroach. Like you did it. You gave yourself the nickname. Their names were like those people, the son of Sam. Green River Killer, they were dumb as fuck too. But at least their names were given to them by right. the media. Okay, so uh, at least we agree <laughs> with them that BTK is stupid, but uh, better do your, your, some due diligence on that. Son of Sam was actually initially called the 44 caliber killer by the media. And it was only after he sent a letter like BTK and Zodiac, <laughs> which identified Sam as his father and the one who directed his bizarre behavior. Uh, that he began being known as the son of Sam. So he did not, uh, he, the two things are not alike. So you fucked that one up. What else do we have from them? Misleading, <laughs> hateful, misleading America with he these hateful really lies. He really thought he was going to be like H.H. H. Holmes. Like, was he going to build a hotel? Well, instead of a murder castle, he was planning a murder barn. A murder barn. Are you kidding me? That is legitimately the off-brand version of a murder castle. Like, it's the Mr. Pib of murder castles. It's the Hydrox of murder castles. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with a joke and I've got nothing. He is... That's because you're not funny. It's not funny that you can't come up with a joke. Uh, the hateful lies that this podcast is spewing is that uh, somehow that Hydrox <laughs> is a knockoff of oreo i hate to be the one to tell you this actually it's my duty to inform you and my pleasure to warn you that hydrox debuted in 1908 made by the sunshine biscuit company uh they were too sweet and uh later in 1912 oreo was first introduced so oreos are actually knockoffs of hydrox cookies the uh the, the cookie was the chocolate part was made a little bit better bitter to offset the taste of the cream also, if you go to the website and look at any can of Pib Extra, as it's known today, not Mr. Pib, uh, they will see that the flavor profile is a spicy cherry cola. And if you look at Dr. Prepper, the flavor is a blend of 23 proprietary ingredients. The flavor profile is one of amaretto, and the FDA declared Dr. Pepper not a cola in 1966. So the two things could not be less alike. <laughs> Uh, do your do do diligence. Do your due diligence. I'm so angry. The COVID mask and now this. Before you mislead America with your hateful lies. Stupid finally, Oreo propaganda. Finally, this. Some real heavy reading. Like in 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 particular, there's a really good like in depth long look at Charlie's life in a. I think it was in Reader. It's in Reader's Digest, and it's by a guy named Kenneth Miller. Mm -hmm. He did like an in-depth look into Charlie's life. I think it's like eight pages long. Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! 
Wow. Eight That's whole pages. Podcast, stupidest takes. Eight whole pages in Reader's Digest. A book that is the size of a TV guide. <laughs> a book whose who's so, Reader's Digest is the whole thing is that it's a book for people who don't like to read. It's a book that you keep in your bathroom that you read while you're on the toilet. The thing's like this big. Okay. So you can't tell me that you have a whole profile about this surviving victim, Charlie Otero, and that's an in-depth look at his whole life and it's eight pages of a reader's digest. It's entirely <laughs> possible that that's the heaviest reading they've ever done on that podcast. Like literally I could believe that. So that's other podcasts. <laughs> takes. Thank you for doing that, John. I really, I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Did you appreciate my due diligence in getting that done? I appreciated your due diligence and you know, I, I, I'm completely drunk right now, and that's the reason why, <laughs> why that happened, but at least I'm smarter than that. <laughs> that you are, and you don't spew um, Oreo propaganda, which honestly is the reason why our country is so divided, and it's very irresponsible of them to be to be doing Stirring that. that I mean, it's, Pot yeah, stirs. Speaking exactly. of Oreos, uh, how, how, do you, how do you eat an Oreo? Are you someone who, who twists oh and eats the cream, or you just bite into it? What do you do? You dunker? You just de- dunk it a little I... bit? You let it sink all the way to the bottom? Where are you at? Ugh, no, I can't do the soggy thing. Um, I, I know there's some people who, um, monsters who put chocolate chip cookies inside of milk and mush it up and eat it like that. And um, to that, I say gross. But I like to um, dip things in coffee. So if I have Oreos, if I have them, I only ever have them with coffee. And I do have a, um, a maximum amount of time that I put them in there so that they don't get too soggy. And that's how I eat them. To me, it's just weird having an Oreo that would suddenly become hot because of the coffee. The temperature aspect's the only part of that's weird for me. For me, the the cream and the (laughs) chocolate cookie and the coffee, the flavor profile works for me. It's Uh, it's, delicious. It's the the eating the hot, wet cookie thing that that bothers me. I like to dunk. (laughs) Um, I don't like breaking the cookie up because I always, it always breaks on me and it always goes wrong. And it just reminds me of everything else that's ever gone wrong in my life. Pretty much anything I've ever attempted. So I don't like the psychological damage that I get when I try to Mm -hmm. open up an Oreo cookie. So I just, so I I just dip it. (laughs) So I just dip the cookie. I, uh, in in my youth, water, milk and milk and whole milk (laughs) and water. Uh, I'm someone that actually likes uh, half and half too. If I'm being decadent, which if I'm eating a cookie, I'm usually all in. So I'll go with half and half even. I'll eat half and half on my cereal. You just drink and then, half uh, and half? I have before. Uh, and uh, whole, uh, heavy cream before too. When I was bulking up, I would drink heavy cream. Um, I also used to put raw eggs in my coffee because I got so sick of eating eggs. So, I mean, I've got a lot of weird boundaries. I'm probably someone that should be on a list. I don't have one of those weird masks, but you know, food wise, um, I'm way out there. Um, I mean, some would say that hat is enough to get you on a list, but, uh, no, I love America and I love America's team. So (laughs) I'm from America and that's why I celebrate America. (laughs) Speaking of America, this podcast is heard in the United States and other countries. It's a podcast, a platform where we entertain and inform first responders. Kendra and I are first responders. Whole podcast is made up of, of people like that though. On Monday, you have former police officers, Jay Durrell and Eric Tanzi. They break down police news, political news, uh, pop culture news. And then on uh, Tuesday is us. We're on True Crime Tuesday. Wednesday, Eric Tanzi, former police officer, and Josh Deadleg Media, former police officer as well. They break down all the news uh, that you need to know so you don't sound like an asshole on the weekends. On Thursday is the Comm Center. We're a retired detective veteran, 
police officer dispatcher Drew Breezy will tell you all about what's going on with 911 dispatchers. I also appear on that show. Uh, somewhat sarcastically, I am there. I think it's all just a joke <laughs> on me that I'm even a part of that show. And then on Friday, uh, you've got the big show, the one started all, Eric Tansy, former police officer, and Drew, as I said, a, a former detective. They talk about all the news. So thanks for joining us here on True Crime Tuesday. We will see you next week. We hate other podcasts. Don't support other podcasts. Just support us. And uh, <laughs> thanks again to McCormick Spices. Remember, think of them this uh, Thanksgiving season as you're shopping. And as you eat that uh, delicious bite, of turkey or or goose on thanksgiving i want you to remember btk all right <laughs> guts up kitty up good night america till next time stay safe and don't get yourself true crimed bye bye